0: Chris hi welcome back to the podcast I haven't saved it yet oh my god if you don't do your fucking story what if
1: I lost it what if I
0: imagine if I close it and all of a sudden it was all gone I would literally there would be no more podcast because i will know there would be one more episode where i murder you that's fine and then i talk about it
1: well this is episode nine slash like 20 so also episode nine and
0: i was misnumbering and i was gonna be like guess what it's the 10th anniversary here we are (laughs) we did it no it's nine yeah 10 10 week anniversary what do we do for that um get a hooker okay what's your name be how much do you charge I want somebody named Destiny. Destiny? Destiny or Crystal. What
1: about Melissa? Oh, my oh, God. Is she
0: coming? I don't probably Not in that way. Is she, is she arriving? <laughs> Fuck. Is she dismounting? Is she dismounting? <laughs> Her horse.
1: She's climbing off the horse. Finally, she made it from Old Town Spring. Wow. Well, She's going to ride that horse to the
0: Old Town Spring. Did you know that he's a gay? Yeah he just like came out. I'm very like into
1: it. He climbed he pretended to be straight, well not even pretended. He just didn't tell, tell anyone anybody. about his sexual preferences, uh made his way all the way up to number 1 with this song, country rap combo combining two genres that typically don't work together with world renowned
0: Billy Ray Cyrus.
1: Yes. Yes. And like to <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Sure. <laughs> sure. I guess so. Um Made his way all the way up to number one. Is like, hey bitches, thanks for all the support, but like, I'm queer as fuck. Like, let's. <laughs> I mean,
0: that's what I've been trying to do. Yeah, what's what we're knows. doing with the podcast? No exactly. one knows we're gay,
1: so we're just gonna make it all the way up to number one podcast. Oh, sh- did we tell? No everyone? one
0: knows that we are not. We are straight. Nobody knows that. Beef eater. What? Beef eater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit! I'm gonna take off my shoes. Ew, gross. Oh, you smell that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just want to share with the podcast. I'm going to rant for a little bit Mm -hmm. about how poorly of a job you're doing. That's excellent. Because, one, you were late today Mm -hmm. because of your real job. Yob. Your real job. Whatever that means. So, yeah. And then you come here in what I can only assume is a clown suit. Work clothes. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and you're still not done with your story, so you spend another hour and a half writing it?
1: Yeah, it's so weird that, like, my car broke down and I had to, like, go, you know, get my car fixed, you know, today in the time frame that I thought that I was going to be able to re- research for that. It's a weird coincidence that those kind of, like, overlap with
0: each other, so. I mean, yeah, so maybe a little foresight.
1: Yeah, next time I
0: should definitely plan for your when I want my car down. to break down. Yeah. 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 Put it on the schedule, yeah, at Yeah, it's like, okay, like... Right, just block out my schedule and say. Just like I mean, a generic amount of time, like four to eight.
1: Yeah, yeah, and make sure I always have Wednesdays set and like no car breakdown. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. make sure
0: this doesn't happen. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. I can definitely do that. So yeah, okay. Um, do you want to sign this document that says that you'll do that? It's a
1: legally binding contract. It's 131
0: pages. <laughs> it's, uh, the real repercussion is just I'm going to find you a million dollars, and that's all you really need uh, to maybe know. Maybe more than that. Who knows? But I mean, the, on top of the car payment. And also
1: the emotional damage. Yeah.
0: Well, Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> you should have seen me earlier.
1: The emotional damage that we've already reached at this point is like 55 million.
0: I was. And oh, that I'm,
1: was before I was even your friend.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was just all the time just, <laughs>
1: <gasps> and now it's even worse. Exactly. <laughs> Microphone falls over.
0: Whoa! <laughs> you already did that. You did it too. Well, yeah, but we're not talking about that. We're yeah. talking about when you did. That it. was
1: before we were on the
0: podcast. So, Chris, tell me what the theme of the episode is. Do you? Oh remember? my god,
1: it's backyard uh, bonanza?
0: Backyard bonanza. I didn't put bonanza on there, but I like that. Oh, better. okay. You just called it backyard. Uh, backyard barbecue. Uh,
1: okay. Backyard barbecue bonanza. Let's do alliteration. There's always that's gotta be comes in threes because the
0: barbecue is important too because mm-hmm. that will signify why we're drinking except what we're we drinking. didn't really barbecue anything. I mean, if I had put those burgers on a grill, it'd have been barbecue. Yeah, we had hamburgers. You Hamburg- have to put the G in there. Okay, hamburgers Hamburg- uh, and French fries and Mike's hard lemonade. <laughs> Mike's hard lemonade party uh, fuel of. 40 freshmen. year old white women everywhere. And also freshmen in college. And freshmen <laughs> freshmen in sororities in oh, college. Oh, that's true. They're I like, was going to get Smirnoff ice too, but I figured Mike's Hard Lemonade ooh, what is. what if just you had like hid
1: them around the, the apartment and like we ice each other? <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about icing. <laughs> that that would have been, been so perfect. <laughs> oh my God. In the middle
0: of the podcast, I said, Chris. Can you open that drawer? Can door? you open that drawer real fast? I need something
1: out of there. And the fucking iced. ice. <laughs> that would have been so funny. Damn. <laughs> Missed opportunity. I forgot that people iced each other. Yeah. What if we just I start doing that podcast now? <laughs> like I'm gonna start bringing them and like hiding them somehow <laughs> in my know. house. In your own house, yeah.
0: Eight a.m. on a Tuesday. I, <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> God, I found yeah. one. <laughs> You <laughs> can like chug. send me a video,
1: <laughs> like, chug, or post it on our uh, our Instagram page at our Spooky Podcast. Oh my god! where where could I could post it on Twitter at that's our Spooky or that's Facebook true. at our Spooky Podcast? Well, we find out that that's not a thing. Wow! Well, yeah, <laughs> we got called out on Twitter for it. <laughs> So we're trying to work on that with Facebook, because apparently Facebook is telling us that uh, our spoopy podcast has an inappropriate word or something like that in it that is not allowed on Facebook. And I read through those, and I don't think spoopy is inappropriate. Did, they,
0: think, did they answer your report?
1: No. There's like a thing that's like, we may not respond to all of the emails that we receive. And I'm like, well, you be- fucking better. Because <laughs> we're trying to get this solved. Shit. Yeah. So I don't even know what to do.
0: You'll figure it out. Let me just call um, Mark. Mm- Mark. Classic Mark. Hey, Mark. <laughs> hey, Mr. Z. This? <laughs> I know you're super busy being a non-human person. And also planning a trip to space. You know, yeah, whatever. yeah. I mean, and never blinking. Mm-hmm. But could you take a look at this for me? He's like Miley on the post that you posted on our Twitter at
1: spoopy. Oh, my God. Did you like that? <laughs> I did, actually. I thought it was really funny. <laughs> That's the
0: scariest picture I've <laughs> ever seen. But it's also seen.
1: so true because we talked about it last week on our podcast that, like, one of your acquaintances uh, uh, from from middle, from middle school just, like, would stare at people. And I was like, this is a perfect callback when I'm listening to the episode again today, like, just staring. <laughs> staring.
0: She's creepy yeah. AF. Poor Miley. I mean... Was that when she was still, like, kind of Hannah montana is? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. What my main concern is, is that she didn't have a crease color. So her eyes were just, like, white, white, white brow bone, and then black. Her entire lid was black.
1: For those of you that are listening that don't understand makeup either, I'm with you.
0: It, okay. Savannah. Gloria. <laughs> Gloria! <laughs> we didn't even sing Gloria's song on the podcast, have we yet? Gloria. 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 I yeah. think I got your number. Yep. Thanks, there go.
1: Gloria. Thank you, Gloria, for being a loyal fan. Can you write us a review on our Facebook page at R
0: Podcast? We need to we need to uh give a shout out to our number one fan. <laughs> Question mark. My mom. Uh, <laughs> Kathy. Yay, Kathy.
1: Cut that. Cut, cut that, that
0: up. <laughs> um Okay. Well, let's talk about spooky things. Okay, because this is going to be this a, is long a long episode. episode yeah,
1: <laughs> we've got a lot of joking to do on our way through this podcast. Did you go first or did I go first last time?
0: I think I went first. So oh boy!
1: So that means it's my turn to go first, unless you don't want to. No, nah, I mean I can. It's up to you. You do you want to go first?
0: I always want to talk.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, okay, well then we'll go ahead and start here. I had to scroll all the way up my six pages of this. To talk about one special thing. Um, So Oh, oh, we didn't finish explaining the theme. So we talked about that it was Backyard Barbecue Bonanza. Why is it Backyard Barbecue Bonanza, Spencer?
0: Because all of the topics happened here in our backyard of Houston, Texas. You're welcome, Houston. So if you're
1: from Houston, Texas listening, give us a shout out at our website rspoopypodcast.com uh, instagram
0: at rspoopy podcast and twitter at rspoopy
1: and the reason is because all of these stories are fucking creepy and they happened right here in houston and so. we're
0: doing this podcast live from city hall no, <laughs> it's <just> saturday <laughs> night live from the city hall it's saturday night actually it's wednesday it's
1: wednesday happy wednesday everyone it's called Wednesday Night Live with Chris and Spencer. <laughs> what?
0: I mean, and this is this like the exact opposite of Saturday? Yeah, the middle of the week. Yeah, a so mid- middle of week. Like, yeah. This is the worst version of that show. They're like
1: the Hump Day, and everyone's like, "I fucking hate Hump Day."
0: <laughs> We're like, "Welcome, <laughs> time to
1: party." We're going to do about... some skit shows
0: about the watering hole. <laughs> Remember Jen, who stole your pen three years ago? She's got, got three got arms. <laughs> She's going to sing a live number about <laughs> how, what she's done with that pen since she stole it from you. There you go. That's a good explanation. Okay. So, Spencer,
1: I have an important question for you.
0: You're going to ask if I know it, and I already do.
1: Do you know the Muffin Man who lives on Drury Lane?
0: He does live on Drury Lane.
1: Or do you know the Candy Man?
0: Where does he live?
1: He's lived in all of the places in the Heights. <laughs>
0: what was it, 24th Street?
1: Oh my god. No. There's a whole bunch of different places here. And I've got like a bunch of addresses that we're going to pull up and I'm going to show you where they're at because...
0: I've shown you some of them before too. One of them is like a school now.
1: No, no, no. That that was like the original like spot. Yeah. That was like where it like originally started. And then he lived in
0: Pasadena for a while. No.
1: No, no. Well, yes. But that was like the last residence. There's like six in between and I'm going to show you them because they're still there today. What? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Road trip. Yeah, exactly.
1: We're just (laughs) going to go out there and be like, Hey. Knock, knock, knock. We're just here with the podcast. Hype. Um <laughs> we're can just, in your
0: house. <laughs> we just want to see like what happened here. Um You can pat me down first. I don't have a knife.
1: You don't have, have a gun. Just with the black eyed kids. Yeah. go <laughs> Call back. Let me inside. Like, hello. <laughs> or else. Can we please come inside? We don't have a gun.
0: <laughs> I mean, which is well, what should you do? Trust your gut. Avoid children. There you go.
1: <laughs> okay. So
0: the candy man's name is actually Dean Coral. There you go. But Coral is spelled Really weird. I don't C O R L L. That's so not what I want it to yeah. be. Yeah. C O R A L.
1: Oh, that's what grows in the ocean.
0: Yeah. That's what I want it to be. He hasn't grow in the well, ocean. no. It's a color, too.
1: But his dead bodies do. Oh. Uh, he would put any. Yeah,
0: he put one in
1: the ocean. There were like a lot in the beach. Yeah. Okay. that we're, we're getting there. Let's back up. Back, 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 back it up.
0: Back, back, back it up.
1: Okay. Wow, that gin really. Oh.
0: Gen, Mike's Hard Lemonade.
1: That mag's Hard Lemonade. That mm. sounded
0: so strange. What? mags Hard Lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like we're underwater.
1: Drag queens in space.
0: Pew, 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 pew.
1: Anyways, Dean Corll. Let's talk about Spoopy stuff. Um, let's get Spoopy with it.
0: And spoopy with get
1: Get all the Spoopy with it. So, Dean Corll's early life. He was born on December 24th, 1939, in Fort
0: Wayne, Indiana. His- oh God, Merry
1: Christmas. I skip a little bit and say his parents fought often and divorced in 1946, but moved together to Memphis when his father joined the military so the children could be closer
0: to, to their father,
1: to their father. Oh, I said children could be closer to their children.
0: Nope. I mean, I think they should always <laughs> be close to their children.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. They're, they're close. Um, at the age of seven, uh, Oh, he he's, a a, he's a hippo. Yeah.
0: There's a hippo living above me. Him. he, I don't know how he makes it that loud.
1: Back in the day, wasn't there like uh, like a blog of like that guy that was like my dear neighbors above me or something like that? Do you remember that? It was Uh in college. It was like early, early college. And he would write stories about like his neighbors above him. And like apparently someone like it got so popular that the people above him found out, found out about it. And like (laughs) he wrote a blog about like them finding
0: out about it and like it becoming like a big issue. It was really funny. (laughs) There's this skit that I love where there's these two people, this couple that live in an upstairs apartment, and they're like, hi, uh, we're professional upstairs uh, apartment neighbors, and we just really take our job seriously. And so the guy has, like, chains attached to his arms, and he's like, He's, <laughs> <laughs> like, dropping them on the floor. And she's got a cup of marbles, and she's just like... <laughs> Just like, let me make your life
1: as hell as possible.
0: And they like have a, they're open a door to stare at each other. And then yeah. Close the door. <laughs> Amazing. I like
1: it. I like that. Okay. Spoopy. I already lost my space for children. Three... have children. They're in men. Children have children. Okay. At the age of seven, he contracted rheumatic fever, which led him to have a heart murmur. They wrote like a whole paragraph about this and it never came up again. So I don't know why it was important. I thought it was going to like come back again but it never did. Mm. I mean, it did kind of, but like not really. If it makes any sense. Anyways, we'll talk about that. Um, so in 1950, the parents attempted to reconcile and moved to Pasadena, uh, but that was short lived and they divorced in 1953. The mother remarried to a traveling salesman and moved to the small town of Vider, Texas. Uh, um, it's outside of Beaumont and like Port Arthur Going kind towards, of area. Uh, Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah. Mm. um, where their mother and stepfather opened a candy business called the Pecan Prince. Um, Coral and his younger brother worked day and night while attending school for the candy company. So they were going to, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school that while working for like working all day and night. Um, so after high school, his family moved to uh, the Houston Heights to open a shop um, despite moving, oh, I'm sorry, moved to Houston to open a shop. And despite moving around a couple times, Coral got an apartment above their Pecan Prince in the candy shop in the Houston Heights so that they like, moved around a couple times in the Houston area, but finally settled in the Houston Heights. So the Houston Heights, since this is apparently the localities Locality's of Houston, Houston podcast, Texas. um, Houston Heights is like Northwest of downtown. Um, and it used to be a pretty like low income area, but now it's quite the opposite. It's yeah. very like booming gentrified. and yeah, very gentrified, very booming and very, um, I mean, that's upper where middle all class. All
0: of the uh, hipsters live. Yeah, in Houston. Yeah. Current. Well, I and Edo.
1: Yeah. I think the hipsters are now moving to Edo. I think what we've got now is uh, upper yuppies. middle class yuppies. Yeah. Um, they're like, oh, I want to be cool, but you're not oh really
0: my cool. God, have you been to the Lululemon? They still like
1: walk around the street and they're
0: like, oh, I'm scared. Oh, these sidewalks have cracks. In oh them. my God. We can't allow this. Robert, get in the Mercedes. We're, We're leaving.
1: leaving. <laughs> yes, exactly that. Um, so then in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mark. <laughs> my brother lives in the Heights. Oh.
0: <laughs> is he listening? He has before, yeah. <laughs> so he's like, oh shit, it's me. I you used to know live my the favorite heights. thing to do is is tell them <laughs> tell them that he lives in the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> so you can be like, no, I don't. He's like, <laughs> we live closer to downtown
1: than you. I'm like, no, you, you don't go. really. But <laughs> you can walk like two blocks that way, and suddenly you're in downtown. <laughs>
0: yeah. But there's nothing going on in downtown anyway. Exactly. So it doesn't matter. No one wants to go to downtown. Downtown Houston is a ghost town. Yeah. It's when got It's expense- not from eight a.m. to six p.m. Six p.m. On yeah, Monday once everyone Friday. just
1: leaves, suddenly there's like a couple bars that are like, "Please come inside, <laughs>
0: we're so cool." <laughs> but I have ten dollar drinks. But please come inside. Right. <laughs> Haven't you ever wanted to pay twenty dollars for a margarita <laughs> with a Corona in it? No.
1: What? <laughs> Say what? Also, here's four homeless people
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: just sitting on the sidewalk yelling at you. <laughs>
0: There's this woman that's on St. Joseph's Parkway and like Maine, uh-huh. like where the the bus station, the metro bus station yeah. is. She just comes out and she's just. Like, I wish people could see it, but I have to act it out. Yeah, but she's just like, oh my god, so panicked. She's like, she's having a panic attack every time that I see her, and I feel oh, no. so bad. Yeah, because you know she's got to have some sort of a mental. Problem yeah, yeah. That she can't get help for because she's homeless. Yeah, so she just screams at cars for yeah. hours every yeah. day.
1: There's one that's down by where we used to work down, or well, where used to, <laughs> used to work down on him said, and Antoine that she like. Oh,
0: I know that one. Yeah, yeah.
1: And she would like physically like shake her fist and like she would like walk up to cars like I thought she was gonna hit them and like scream at them like damn she was fierce yeah. is fierce she's still there, damn.
0: Uh, a mental health. A hell of a yeah,
1: mental health is very important. Uh, make sure you take care of yourself.
0: We gotta find like a hotline for that. Yeah,
1: exactly. Something. Mental health hotline. We I'll had look a, it up a suicide hotline. Yeah. Okay. While well, I'm reading, so in 1963, his mother divorced the traveling salesman and opened her own candy company called the Coral Candy Company. So she took the name of her husband, I guess, still, and used that.
0: Excuse me, for a candy company, whatever her
1: ex-husband yeah her ex like her ex-husband before man. the traveling salesman oh okay. yeah because i mean that's dean coral's name
0: yeah well maybe she just named it after her sons because they can't take this new name right it's like the 50s
1: yeah it's sixties, 50 60 okay yeah. yeah fine i'll concede um so then she appointed dean as the vice president mind you he's still in high school um, and then in the same year, a male employee complained to Dean's mother, who was in charge of the candy company, that Dean had made sexual advances towards him. Uh, so what did she do? She fired him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not Dean, she fired the, the mm-hmm. person making the oh, complaint. Yeah. And I was like, okay, bye. <laughs>
0: um, so, oh. Oh, uh, National Alliance on Mental Health. You can call them Monday through Friday, 10 to 6 Eastern, 1 800 950 6264
1: take care of your mental health please always uh, so then on august 10th of 1964 he was drafted into the u.s army uh so this was during the vietnam war everyone is getting drafted so he filed for he i think he went to san diego maybe i didn't write it down i don't
0: remember where he I went i think that sounds familiar yeah
1: um and he filed for a hardship discharge because he was needed for his family business which was granted uh so after oh, 10 months
0: was not granted and they didn't let him in because of his heart murmur
1: Oh, I didn't read that. They just, from what I saw on Wikipedia, they said that he was granted hit because of the, the family business.
0: You need to get multiple sources. I
1: had Murderpedia open, but I'm sorry that I had to get my car fixed today, <laughs> that I didn't get to read it. No,
0: uh-uh. No more excuses. <laughs> no, no
1: more. Um. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. Uh, well, I'll research more, okay? Because there's a lot of research still left to go into this, uh, which we'll describe at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, he was drafted, and then he was honorably discharged in 1965 after 10 months of service. So he didn't even go over to Vietnam. He was just, like, in San Diego San Diego, or wherever it was training uh, beforehand and then just got discharged. So lucky him, I guess, in that way. Not lucky him. Ew. Why did I say that? Just <laughs> no, keep going. Backtrack. Plow through. <laughs> uh, at this time, uh, he divulged to his close friends once he came back to Houston that he realized that he was a homosexual. Uh, and that he had his first homosexual encounters while he was in the army. There was no more description of that. He had just like mentioned, like, "Hey, I think I'm gay." I don't know if that's how we said it, but you know, yeah, along that's those how lines. How I said it? Yeah. Oh wait,
0: yeah. no wait, shit! <laughs> We're not gay. We're not gay. Here.
1: Just two straight bros having a backyard barbecue together, drinking, <laughs> drinking Mike's Hard Lemonade. lemonade. <laughs> and I love when we say things together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's just that's what the podcast is yeah, about. Yeah,
0: true. <laughs> <laughs> mm take a quick swig i'm sorry um <laughs> next time let we'll set it down slower because i heard kerplunk yeah i heard that <laughs> good um
1: so then we move forward to the coral candy company this is like a subset thing it was located on 24th street 22nd street 22nd. right across <laughs> from helms elementary school which yes. still exists today not the, not candy, the candy company factory. the, the elementary townhomes there now, yes, yes. So if you live right across from Helms Elementary School,
0: <laughs> you're living, you're in, a living in a murder place. area. Uh, sorry about you, but I mean, if we're honest, I'm sure a lot of Texas Revolution battles happened here. Oh yeah, they Revolution battles. Lots of Native
1: Americans died. I mean, everything's haunted. everywhere. Yeah. so don't worry about. It. Hopefully, right here, right. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I want to get haunted. <laughs> Call no, me, I don't. Daddy,
0: <laughs> yours will be like, where's the ghost? I'm be like, oh fuck. <laughs> The ghost would be like, he's a little obsessive, and I don't know I don't want, that. want that. They're going to attach to me because they're like, look at that weakling. <laughs> that girl over there is drinking Mike's Hard Lemon and talking about murders, smiling. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's me. Well, that's like the episode last week when I said that the black-eyed kids apparently favor those who know about them. I had nightmares about the black-eyed kids. Did you really? I was yes. like, oh my God, this is going to be a child show up. So, trust your gut. Uh, avoid children.
0: Always. <laughs> Don't don't look at him. Don't look at him. Especially look not him. in the eyes. Oh, my
1: gosh. No matter what child it is, just don't look at him.
0: Baby? Ba- no. Nope. No. Don't do it. It might start talking to you. It's trying to grab at you. You no. tell her, I need my space.
1: Get- <laughs> you are at a 10 right now. I need you at a 4. <laughs> I need you to calm down right now, <laughs> or I will call the police. Mom? <laughs> she's doing it again.
0: Ron? <laughs> Cut that. C- come get this baby. Ron? 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 Doing it, it's doing that crying thing. Did we ever explain Ron to them? R- I don't know. Ron's our personal assistant
1: that we don't actually have. Oh yeah, wait. <gasps> pause. You had to push the pause button. No. Oh, <laughs> Barbara!
0: <Barbara's here. laughs> I'm just kidding. Where did she record. go? Uh, <clears throat> she sat under a plastic bag in my closet oh, for no. a couple months. She that was poor having thing. a good time. Yeah. She was having a nice sleep. You know, she never sleeps.
1: Slumber. Yeah, so now she's well-rested and ready to write all of her podcast material.
0: I need to repaint her nail.
1: Yeah, it's a little overpainted. She's got a drag queen figure now, right now.
0: Yeah. Well, and July should be like a orange or yellow kind of month. Yeah,
1: very summery colors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I painted her last in like December.
1: Okay, so we've got two interns on this podcast. We've got Ron.
0: Ron. Who does absolutely nothing.
1: Also everything. Yeah. We ask him to do everything. He does nothing.
0: Well, I don't, I mean, usually he's not even here. We have to call him. Yeah. Call him on our cell phone. And then. uh, He used to call me on my cell phone. Oh, you remember (gasps) calling me through the phone? No. That was a song. Good memories.
1: (laughs) 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 That silence was so spoopy. I, I mean also what I decided today was uh, I said something I think it was the last podcast I said oh, does anyone else feel awkward or something like that and I think we should start saying does anyone else feel spooky it's <laughs> like anyone it, else feel right and now? instead of awkward like switch it up like anyone else spooky is an spoopy? adjective that works for absolutely everything. everything yes
0: absolutely but you can only say spooky and not spooky yeah no nothing spooky anymore yeah it's only spooky or creppy but (laughs) crappy crappy (laughs) but i need to tell everybody about barbara okay barbara explain barbara i explained ron it's your turn for barbara uh barbara came from one of my really good friends who who is also named dean but his last name's not coral Uh he he used to work with mannequins and he'd throw them away he was like the visual manager at at, uh, a department store why would he throw them all away we used to keep ours at a yeah, well, like yeah, but at. we throw out the old ones. They'd get like new ones that were more fashionable. Hmm. I don't know. We can't afford that. Um, <laughs> but like these were the the antique '90s ones, and now the new ones have like nipples or something. <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> Who he <needs> threw nipples. <laughs> you know, he <laughs> threw them on. Threw one into like a a dumpster, and the finger like shot out. And so he picked it up, and <laughs> he just kept them. He They're had, like, chosen. all these mannequin, <laughs> fi- mannequin fingers. That's so creepy. <laughs> and he would just, like, put them on his fingers like this <laughs> and walk around. <laughs> and so he gave me one. I asked for it.
1: Aw, so sweet. So, Barbara, you have a piece of Barbara here.
0: Yeah. Barbara's always with us. Yeah.
1: And honestly, it looks so fucking spooky. so. It the, works. The pallor of the skin is amazing. It's yeah, it's very <laughs> like yellowish, a light grayish yeah. yellow. <laughs> Looks like a actual deceased finger.
0: Yeah. And then you look inside. It's hollow. It's hollow. This is. I'm gonna bring this to the bars and take shots out of it. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Can we start doing that for Halloween? Hell whenever, yeah!
1: Whenever a spooky season comes around. Spooky season officially starts like middle of September. Can it's we, already started. Okay. I'm going to. It's all the time. I
0: have to go to uh, Uh JCPenney and steal all the mannequin hands and throw them on the ground and take all their fingers. (laughs) We just need all the fingers. Oh, no, I knocked it over. Just like snatch all the fingers. Oh, no. Not again. Also, these mannequins were so old that some of them would break off in the store, so the hands on the mannequins would be like this.
1: <laughs> so he two fingers. There was one time that the mannequin we used to use really cheap mannequins, um, but like they were all like magnetic, and so like one of the magnets I don't somehow wore off, and so, so sometimes just like, we'd walk look. in and the arm was like <laughs> hanging down like two feet and like still in the shirt, so just like slinging back and forth. I
0: love that. Yeah. Because if it's dark and you look oh at it, it's God. Just like slender. Sometimes we'd have to come
1: like... in at like 6am for like inventory stuff or, you know, football games or anything like that. And uh, the, we'd see the mannequins like standing there in the dark and scary. scary. As and the number of times that I bumped into mannequins, I would say, oh, excuse me,
0: sir. And turn around and be like. Oh, me. Plastic. Exactly. yeah Yeah. I apologize to the counter. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> You're looking a little green. Because uh, it's green. Imagine me Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. Keep going with the story because we're 30 minutes in now. Oh, fuck. Okay. (laughs) Yeah,
1: we've got a lot to go. This is only one page in. Um, Okay. So he... Oh, yeah. Okay. 22nd Street, across from Helms Elementary. Okay. His stepfather had retained the old pecan prints at the old candy store in the Houston Heights. So the competition was fierce. So Dean devoted much of his time to working at the candy company. He was known for giving free candy to the local children, in particular teenage boys, Mm -hmm. uh, which earned him the name... The Candyman. The Candyman. Um, The company had a small workforce, which Dean was known for behaving flirtatiously towards, uh, the teenage male employees. Coral also installed a pool table in the rear of the candy shop where employees and local youths would congregate. (sighs) Coral then befriended a 12-year-old, 12 years old, Mm -hmm. David Owen Brooks, in 1967. In 1967, Coral was 28 years old. A 28-year-old is friends with a 12-year-old. He would also take trips to South Texas beaches with Coral, and Coral often gave him cash when he needed it. As their friendship developed, upon Coral's urging, a sexual relationship began as well, with Coral giving uh, David Owen Brooks cash to perform fellatio on Brooks. Blowjob. Yeah. For any any of those that don't know what that means. Um, I knew what it meant don't look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> In 1970, 19... sure? yes. In 1970, Brooks at the age of 15 dropped out of high school and moved to Beaumont to live with his mother, traveling to and from Houston to visit his father. Brooks often stayed and visit, stayed with and visited Coral on his trips, regarding Coral's apartment as his second home. Brooks shortly moved back to Houston. Shortly, oh wait. No, I read it that Coral's family had moved to Colorado after the closing of the family company in 1968, where he took a job with the Houston Lighting and Power Company, where he worked until his death. So, now that we've gotten all of that out of the way, and already established a relationship between David Owen Brooks and Dean Coral, Coral, we now, I'm just going to refer to them as Brooks and Coral, essentially, as we go on. So, anyone who's confused by names, follow along.
0: You should put the Candyman.
1: Okay, the Candyman and... Brooks. Brooks, okay. Um, so, the first murders.
0: Do Coral, because you're
1: going to mess yourself up. Yeah, I know. It's, it says Coral. Um, so, I'm just going to say Coral. Uh, so, now we get to my first subset, the first murders. So, just kind of an overview real fast. Over the time period of 1970 to 1973, Coral is known to have murdered a minimum of 28 teenage boys between the age of 13 to 20. Mm. Coral changed his address several times during this time, but usually stayed around the Houston Heights, which is where most of his victims were abducted. Uh, So I just wanted to give that background because I'm going to be naming a lot of addresses because he moves like seven times. Um, And so I just want to and also a lot of names. So I don't want to like confuse anyone as I go along.
0: Don't give the street number. Tell me that separately. Okay,
1: (laughs) smart man. Um, So let's begin. We start with David Owen Brooks walking in on Coral, sexually assaulting two teenage boys tied to a four-poster bed. I had to look up what a four-poster bed is because I'm apparently classless as fuck. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What what
0: were you, you disgusting human being? Exactly. What a four-poster bed is. I knew
1: what they were, like, once I looked up what the term meant. I didn't know what the term meant, so... The four poster bed for anyone who is uneducated like me, um, it's where they have like the giant poles on each end of the bed. So each, of the each bed. corner of each corner of bed, Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, so there's like four giant poles there, and so I'm trying to imagine. No, okay, that's not important. I, it's weird. Um, Coral promised Brooks. I mean, it's
0: you, so <laughs> Sounds about <laughs>
1: yeah, me. exactly. Coral promised Brooks a car in exchange for his silence. Uh, later, telling him that they had been murdered. Uh, and that they that he would give him two hundred dollars for any boys that c- he could lure back to his apartment. So basically, over time, he was like, "Hey."
0: Also, two hundred dollars in nineteen seventy three was a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of money. that's a lot of money.
1: Yeah, two hundred dollars. What like almost a thousand? Maybe more than that?
0: No, because I looked up earlier that, um, I think, a hundred bucks was like a hundred and eighty three dollars. Oh, okay. So. Nearly five hundred bucks.
1: Okay, I guess I'm just kind of like, taking it off of my parents. Like when they said they said when they were kids they used to pay like a quarter for going to the movies, and now we pay what ten dollars. So I was like, trying to see what inflation yeah. kind of did there. But I guess movies became more popular since the seventies. Um, so yeah, he prom- he gave him a car for telling him to like keep quiet. And also, also car was
0: really cheap in the seventies.
1: It was a Corvette. Yeah.
0: yeah, and you could get it for like ten <clears> thousand bucks. Well, a nice ass. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I'm bitter, but. You're better. I'm better.
1: <laughs> so um, the first effort, first test, test, test.
0: Burry burry burry.
1: The first official. Wait,
0: what, is, what did I was saying? What Sheena? Sheena? She
1: Sheena? Sh- wait, Sheenan? Sheenan? Oh. Sheena Negan. Sheena Negan. There you go. Sheena Negan's <laughs> drag name. Sheena Negan's. I like it. It's good. I like it. Anyways, so. Back to the Sheena Um The first official murder on the timeline, however, was an 18-year-old college freshman, Jeffrey Conan, on September 25th of 1970. The boy was hitchhiking. Hitchhiking. English is so hard right now. Oh, my God, guys. The Chris boy... So yeah, there you go. That gin really got me. Um, I mean, Mike's hard lemonade. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bloop. <laughs> Bloop. Mm,
1: okay. So the boy was hitchhiking... From UT Austin to his parents' home in Houston, where he was most likely lured by coral with a ride. This was common. We'll find out hitchhiking was yeah. like
0: a thing that people did. And then
1: just safely, they thought they thought it was safe.
0: I mean, technically, we do that with Uber, yeah. Yeah, but at well, least you know we, their name. Yeah, <laughs> and their
1: their car, and it's like recorded it somewhere, and people know where we're at all at all times too. Yeah, so that's cool. Um. So Coral took him back to his apartment on Yorktown Street and Westheimer in the Uptown area. So, like, what?
0: You can sign me a number. Oh, I don't have a number at oh, this okay. one. Yeah. Yorktown. I did, But I
1: looked up the area. Yorktown Street is, like, just west of, like, the major Galleria area in uh, Westheimer. Hmm. So, like, where the big buildings are and, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Not cool. It's at scary. the Grand
0: Lux Cafe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, I, I didn't know. They didn't have a number for this Moxies. one.
0: Moxie's. The Crate and Barrel. I don't
1: ever go to the Galleria, so you're listing off all these areas and I have fucking no clue. Um,
0: Goodness, these bubbles are getting me. Um, These are uncarbonated. No, they're not. Oh, they are. Mildly carbonated.
1: There's definitely some bubbles in there. Um, He was killed by manual strangulation and a cloth gag that had been placed in his mouth. He was found naked and bound hand and foot suggesting that he had been violated which we will we will find out is also a common theme scarily <laughs> spoopily <laughs> spoopily <laughs> spoopily so on december 13th 1970 david brooks lured... Lower... oh my god How many more times am I going to say something wrong?
0: Okay, just unique New York, unique Unique New York,
1: York, unique New York. He lured two 14-year-old youths from the Spring Branch area of Houston named James Glass and Danny Yates from a religious rally in the Heights. He took them back to Coral's apartment where they were both tied to opposite sides of Coral's torture board, raped, strangled, and buried in a boat shed that Coral had purchased the month prior. So back in November, he had purchased a boat shed. I don't know where the boat shed was
0: it, oh it's in uh
1: bolivar Pen- peninsula i think so i think so as well yeah uh because i read somewhere that it was ball like he had buried a bunch of bodies in bolivar but never saw anywhere about bolivar peninsula mentioned so
0: i don't think it i think it's like on the way to bolivar mm-hmm. maybe like clear lake or something
1: i have no idea yeah i, I did not have a location or like an area so i have mm-hmm. no idea
0: that news news program that i made you watch did i Did I make you watch it?
1: Uh, I remember we watched a lot of things, but I was not really paying attention to it because it was scary. And now I'm researching it. Wow. (laughs) It's so weird. Excuse me. Okay. So they, yeah, six weeks after on January 30th, 1971, Brooks and Coral lured two teenage brothers, Donald and Jerry Waldrop, who were going to visit a friend who ended up not being home. They were then walking back to their own home together when they were enticed into his van with a ride, <coughs> a ride. Excuse me. Taken back to Coral's new apartment on Mangum Road. Mangum Road. Yes. What? Raped, tortured, strangled, and then buried in the boat shed as well. So
0: that's uh, it, that's relevant because that's where we use, I used to work. That's where I work. Yeah. That's yeah, where you work. Right? Like
1: right on the road. Exactly. So I wonder if the apartment's still there. <laughs> I have no idea. No idea. Probably not. I hope not. Anyways, uh, so
0: tear that, down that wall, Mr. Gorbachev.
1: Yeah. So then, on March 19th, Coral abducted Randall Harvey, who was riding his bike to Oak Forest, where he was where he worked as a gas attendant. He was killed with one, gon- one gun, one gunshot, gunshot, one gunshot wound to the head. Oh, that's too much. This is just a timeline of people he killed. <laughs> uh, so then, on May 29th, 1971, Coral abducted 13-year-old David Hillygeist and. 16 year old Gregory Malley Winkle, Oof. who were killed together the same afternoon. Both That's set one of the worst ones. like, killed at the same time.
0: No, because you'll see.
1: So, both sets of parents launched frantic searches, which was my question when I first heard about all of this. Remember, I asked, like, what was happening to all these parents' kids? Like, that they're just all running away and or going away, and, and no one has an like, idea. Mm. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. <clears throat> So, that finally answered when they said the parents frantically searched for these children.
0: Those are some of the only ones that did. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's the only ones that I saw that actually reported they like started a search party for them. Mm-hmm. So, a friendly 15-year-old youth that was a longtime friend of D- David Hillegeist volunteered to put up posters and help them search for him. What was his name?
0: Um, Elmer Wayne, Wayne Henley?
1: Henley. Elmer yes. Wayne Henley. Which that name will come back in a second. So hold on to that name. Um so on August seventeenth, nineteen seventy one, Brooks and Coral encountered a seventeen year old named Reuben Watson Haney walking home from a movie, movie theater. They persuaded him to attend a party at Coral's new apartment off of San Felipe Street.
0: So this he is lived what in a nice part of town then.
1: well in the seventies, was this still San a nice Fel-
0: I mean San Felipe is Well, he lived in Uptown
1: as well. Like, was the gallery a nice
0: 50 years ago? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I moved here in 1998, and I was born in 1991.
1: Yeah, so why don't you know? (coughs) Thomas? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I don't know if that was a nice area or not. And and San Felipe Street extends in both directions, so I don't know if it was in the River Oaks side, which is an affluent neighborhood in Houston, or if it was on the other side um you know going into uptown or even further i don't know how, uh, where it was um they mm-hmm. didn't they didn't give a house number for this one um so where is it oh so yeah they persuaded him to go to a party and then he was strangled and buried in the boat shed as well um, so then in september 1971 coral moved to a new address of columbia street
0: oh my god <laughs> in the
1: heights that's like the heart of the heights Okay. I yeah, I'm pretty certain I've been I to a like house across, across the street. <laughs> yeah, I've literally been to a... I know exactly what address I went to a house across the street for a customer. Yeah, Not even going to lie. Me too. And now I want to, like, go back over there and, like... <laughs> yeah.
0: I might have been with you.
1: It was for a stair runner. Yeah. So, anyways. Um, so, in his confession at, after uh, their arrest... Uh, Brooks said during this time at this address, he helped Coral murder two additional victims, both of which were never identified, one of which was kept alive for four days. Kept alive and tortured for four days. Because um, he,
0: he liked him or something?
1: Yeah, I have no idea. He was an un- unidentified victim, so we, we're oh. not certain. So now, time to bring in Elmer Wayne Hindley.
0: Welcome to the stage.
1: Yes, welcome Elmer to the stage. Wayne, really. Sheena Negans. Sheena Negans. <laughs> so in winter of 1971, Brooks introduced Henley to Coral as an intended victim. Uh, Coral apparently decided he would make a good accomplice and offered him $200 a person as well, but told him it was for a white slavery ring. Hinley, ig- Yeah. Henley ignored the offer for several months until his family hit some dire financial troubles and agreed in February of 1972. Early March, Hinley and Coral lured quote-unquote, a boy from the corner of 11th Street in Sudamont to his house at Shuler Street.
0: Oh, I don't know that one.
1: Yeah, but I mean, that's like... Still. In, that's in, like, the Rice military area. Well, they tore that house down. <clears throat> no, they didn't. This is... No, no, Columbia. No. Nine.
0: Oh, wait. I thought you said 8-6... Six... No. I thought you said a number. <laughs> That's the last one. This is Columbia Street. Yeah. Whatever. Keep going.
1: It's just, it's There's a difference of one number for each of those.
0: It not, it <laughs> I'll, I'll, show I'll show you later. I'll show
1: you. It's exciting.
0: Barbara, please.
1: Barbara, Barbara, please. Um, lured, quote unquote, a boy from the corner of 17th Street in Studemont to his house on Shuler Street with a promise of smoking marijuana. Juana. Oh, my God.
0: Who does that? Who does that? I mean, hoodlums. Hoodlams.
1: Hoodlams. Anyways, I can't. I can't. Believe. I can't believe the hoodlums would smoke that
0: marijuana. That's just gonna lead to homosexuality and and prostitution from God. Yeah, we don't do that here.
1: w we were using a Southern accent last week for
0: New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> this accent brought to you by Montana. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh,
1: my God.
0: Y'all done done already done had yours is mm-hmm. whose birthdays are it. I
1: laughed so hard. And then you we were like, wait, did they have a, like a carryover British accent? Then you did a British accent instead. That's reasonable. <laughs> you know. It made me laugh. I liked it. I laughed so hard at our own podcast, like while we're listening. You because, know. Because, I mean, it's I'm like listening. I'm like, wow, these two people have the same sense of humor that
0: i do oh wait that's me <laughs> i just sit on the couch with these on and I'm like <laughs> thomas is like what are you doing he's like listen to my podcast
1: <laughs> have you listened to this it's gold he's like in the other room right now he's like these fucking idiots Shut up.
0: <laughs> it's fine now it's let's fun. talk about gay stuff <laughs> wow that is like that is a comedy podcast honey oh is it it's a comedy podcast. A comedy podcast. I got
1: More like Thanksgiving. More like Thanks Living Yes. Okay,
0: we're forty five
1: minutes. Oh my god. Out. We need okay, I need to speed this up. Um so we only just got to the part where Henley's involved. Um what I'm halfway through, okay. So uh, Henley tricked the youth into putting on handcuffs. He the story kind of went as like uh Hindley yeah. put on the handcuffs and then like used a knife to like break out of them and was like He's Look, you, you do it and then the guy put him on and then Coral like pounced on him and like bound and gagged him after he put on the handcuffs um then Hindley then left the room believing that believing Coral what Coral said that the youth was going to now be sold into sex slavery um So, the youth's identity was not known, but it is believed to have been 17-year-old Willard Branch from Oak Forest, whose body was later identified from the boat shed. So, moving on to March 24th, 1972, the trio, Brooks, Henley, and Coral, uh, lured Frank Aguirre from a restaurant on Yale Street, Street, where he worked offering to drink beer and smoke weed. Once inside smoking, Aguirre picked up handcuffs picked up the handcuffs from the table when apparently that like aroused Coral or something like that. And Coral just like jumped on him and like pushed him into the table and then handcuffed his hands behind his back. Henley apparently pleaded with Coral not to assault at Geary before Coral informed him that he had done that with his previous victim. Because I guess Coral was like basically leading to raping the guy in front of Henley and Henley w- didn't know what was happening, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, yeah, quote unquote, didn't know what was happening. Um, And that he had... So then Coral was like, I already, like, kill the other guy, too. So, like, get out of here kind of thing. Um, And so Aguirre was buried at High Island Beach. Um... So despite this revelation, Henley continued to assist with them. And within one month after, on April 20th of 1972, the trio abducted 17-year-old Mark Scott, who fought furiously against uh, against them. So they, like, basically grabbed him by force. He was not really enticed. They, like, grabbed him. Um, and so he fought, like, furious uh, furiously against them and then even tried to stab at them with a knife. Henley then pointed a pistol at the boy, which is when Brooks remark that the boy just like gave up it was like okay i'm like outnumbered and like nothing that i do is gonna help and so he just like gave up and stopped fighting um so then he was then raped tortured strangulated and then buried at highland beach as well uh before june the trio abducted billy balch and uh johnny del i almost said delmo because tony oh my god delome um, and after their rape and torture, Henley assisted with the strangulation of both of them with his hands. Um, they were also buried at Highland Beach. Um, so then during the time at, Shuler, at the Shuler Street address, a youth named Billy Ridinger was reportedly brought in, tortured, and raped, but Brooks somehow convinced Coral to release him. And so he was allowed to leave the property. No, there was nothing else written about that. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, did he go and tell anyone? Did, like, just... Well, was, a
0: lot of these kids were... Homeless too, uh, okay. so I mean, they and they're afraid of the police. I'm yeah. sure, so they can't. Who's going to believe them anyway?
1: Well, there's a whole another thing about the whole Houston Police Department that yeah. at the time that I'm not going to get to in this this part of the podcast.
0: And to all people's knowledge, I mean, to strangers on the street, Coral was somewhat respectable.
1: Yeah, he was known in the community, and uh, as well as having two people that like all these kids seem to know. Um, that were like, oh, you know, come on with us. Like, he's nice. yeah, he's a nice guy. so the yeah. uh, two people that like all these kids are friends with from like their high school or from like whatever else, like saying, oh, just come on with this random guy. That's you know, 15, to, almost 20 years older than all of us. Like not weird. Mm. It's so weird. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. Um, it's also the seventies. So, yeah, I don't know. It's so creepy to me. Yeah. I just can't imagine anyone ever seeing them together like it said that they would travel to the beaches and stuff like that together like how do you not see these you know 12 year old kids with this well i guess they might assume that maybe he's their father i don't know that's it's weird i don't know anyways we'll get to all of the discussions about that in a second (laughs) because i've got a lot of questions um so, yeah, Hinley also at one point knocked Brooks unconscious as he entered the apartment at the Shuler Street address uh, when Coral repeatedly sexually assaulted him. Uh, sp- despite this, Brooks continued to assist them. Like, hey, you got knocked out by your accomplice and then the other one raped you a whole bunch of times. But it's cool. cool. I mean, I guess he was wo- probably still worried for his life because he yeah. knew what Coral could do, but it still baffles me. So then... Coral moved to a place off of Westcott Westcott Street um, when in the summer of 1972 he had two known victims. 17 year old Stephen Sickman uh, was last seen leaving a party at midnight. Uh, He was then savagely, savagely beaten with a blunt object in the chest, strangled and then buried in the boat shed. On August 21st of 1972 Roy Bunton was abducted on his way to his job. He was shot twice in the head and both were buried in the boat shed. Uh, neither of these were named by Hinley and Brooks later in their confessions, so they never even mentioned that they were really a part of this um, this whole thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So, October second, nineteen seventy two, Brooks and Hinley encountered Wally J. Simono and Richard Hembry, who brought them back to Coral's apartment, uh, where they were then tortured, strangled, uh, tortured and strangled before buried in a common grave in the uh, boat shed. So. I don't exactly know how big a boat shed is, but we've got, what, ten bodies in there at this point?
0: Uh, I think he gets two. He
1: gets two boat sheds? Yeah. I've never mentioned another boat shed. Well, yeah. I never found another mention he, of a
0: boat shed. He digs it really deep, oh, apparently. They had to bring in an excavator. God.
1: Well, that makes sense, uh, because he just kept on burying more bodies in there. Um. So, in the following month, Richard Kepner was abducted on his way to the f- to a phone booth. Uh, he was also buried at High Island Beach. I mean, some of these, like, went into so little detail about, like, any of it that all I had was that someone was abducted and they died. And, like, where
0: they were buried. Well, uh, I mean, <clears throat> the main people telling the stories are Henley and Brooks. Yeah, exactly. And they just, there's so many, you lose track of what happened, I'm sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. Especially, you know, over, what, a three-and-a-half-year period?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Ugh, I can't. Um, so then on January 20th of 1973, Coral moved into an address off of Wirt Road, uh, and within two weeks of living there, he murdered 17-year-old Joseph Lyles. Uh, on uh, March 7th of 1973, Coral moved to uh, 2020... Lo- oh. uh, we'll <laughs> Something. <go>.
0: 2020. <laughs> it's all over, It's
1: on Wikipedia, too. So yeah. anyone who looks it up is going to find all of this as well. Sorry. I didn't even... I just was going with it. In In Pasadena. Um which, oh I know what street is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, which was his father's old residence. Between February and June of 1973, Coral is not known to have any victims. So this is where the heart murmur maybe comes back because he had like fluid in his chest. Um and so I think that's why they had mentioned like a whole paragraph of it previously. I don't know.
0: Hmm.
1: I don't know if that was what it was. Um and then also Henley had moved away in an attempt to distance himself from Coral. Uh, he moved to a place called or a city called Mount Pleasant, up in like northeast Texas. Mm. So he was he was out of the picture for five months. Uh, after June, the so I guess it never said that Hindley moved back, but he obviously did. Uh, after June, the rate and intensity of corals killing increased dramatically, uh, and being called like a bloodlust by Brooks and Hindley both. Um, the duo could tell when he quote unquote needed a new boy uh, because of Coral's level of anxiety. That's well, so gross. It's so gross. Um, like he would drink more. He would like um, be manic. pacing back and forth like manic, smoke uh, like chain smoke cigarettes like back and like over and over again. And they could tell like he needed a new like jumping off point. Like and apparently murdering, raping, and murdering a teenage boy was in, uh, which is disgusting. Um, so on June 4th of 1973, Hindley and Coral abducted Will, William Ray Lawrence off of 31st Street and abused and tortured him for three days. Um, so then two weeks later... What was his, his name? Uh, William Ray
0: Lawrence. Uh, did you read one about... So he really liked one boy. He thought it was really handsome. And so he kept him alive for... Quite a while.
1: No, there wasn't anything that said. There was, I mean, besides the one that was mentioned earlier that he was kept alive for four days, and this one that he was kept alive for three days, there wasn't any mention of like he clung to one boy hmm. that he kept alive. I know, I remember you and Melissa talking about it back in the day whenever we researched it, but nothing came up on Wikipedia. Huh. So, this is once again why I needed multiple sources because mm. I'm sure something else would have told me. Um, so then, two weeks later, twenty-year-old Raymond Stanley Blackburn was abducted and strangled. Both were buried at Lake Sam Rayburn. Um, so then, on July sixth of nineteen seventy-three, Hinley began attending driving school, where he befind- befriended fifteen-year-old Homer L- Luis Garza. The following day, uh, Garza—I'm sorry, Garcia, not Garza—he um, the following day he f- called his mother to tell him he was staying the night with a friend. That night. He was shot um, and left to bleed in Coral's bathtub. Uh, five days later, 17 year old John Stellers of Orange County was bound, uh, shot to death, and then buried at Highland, High Island Beach. July 1973, Brooks married his pregnant fiance, so Hinley um, became the sole producer of victims. Hinley be- claims that only three victims were brought to Coral by him when he was working without the help of Brooks. 15 uh, year old Michael uh, Balch, who was brothers of one of Coral's previous victims... That's what it was, yes. I yeah. thought it was the Hilligeists. No. It was the yeah, it was the Balch. Uh Was abducted on his way to get a haircut. He was strangled and buried at Lake Sam Ra- Rayborn. So the reason why I mentioned that was because that's now two noted brothers that two families in the, hi- in the Heights lost. So, like, two families lost both their boys well, because of this ones, man.
0: Yeah. Like, I think Dean Coral... Offered to help look for him for some amount of time. Really? And that's how he got to know... The other Balsh? The other Balsh. Ugh. And then he... Took him with him, him. and killed him. Mm-hmm. And that mother, for, like, years, was trying to get the police to t- pay attention to it. Shit. That
1: scared the fuck out of me.
0: She was trying to get the police to pay attention to it. My heart! <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> They were like, mm, I think both your kids just ran away. The police
1: said that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, like I said, there's going to be a whole extra thing about like the police side of this thing. Because um, that was one of my biggest questions. Like, why is no one looking for these children? Yep. Like, I even asked you that whenever you were looking at it way back in, what, was that January or February when we were first looking oh it up? Some, some time ago. And I was like, so what happened to the police about this whole thing? And then, like, you know, my we listened to the My Favorite Murder episode podcast about it, um, and so, like, I did my own research about it as well, and, like, the police were just stupid. Yeah, they were just like, oh, we're understaffed, but we're not going to worry about, you know, getting any help from anyone else, and, you know, don't worry about it. And then the police chief was like, uh, he's a good old boy that was like, I know what I'm doing, don't anyone challenge me kind of thing. And, uh, I mean, he just allowed this shit to just keep going on. For four years. Four years. Yeah. N-
0: nearly 30 lives. Yeah. Or more. Or more. Or
1: We have no idea. And I'll get to that I'd in a Probably yeah. more. Yeah, definitely. Because the, these are all of the recorded from Brooks and Owen.
0: Yeah.
1: Or, I'm sorry, Brooks and Henley. Hent- Henley. That's it. So, like, we don't have any stories from Coral or anyone else because they're all dead. So, yeah. like, we have no idea about anything else that could have happened.
0: You spoiled it. Why you said he's dead? Oh, <laughs> okay, keep going. It's fine.
1: Um, sorry, I got excited. <laughs> um, so then the other two victims, what did I say? I don't remember. Oh, the other two victims are the three that Hanley had brought. Uh, the other two victims, uh, Charles Cobble and Marty Ray Jones, were abducted together at the on the afternoon of July 25th. Uh, Henley himself was buried. Hinley uh, himself. Hold on. <laughs> Henley himself later buried both youth's body in the boat shed on himself, by himself.
0: <laughs> English is so hard to bury them on himself. Yeah.
1: Uh, so Coral's last victim was 13-year-old James Stanton Dremala from South Houston, who was abducted while riding his bike. Uh, while inside of Coral's home, Dramala was tied to the... Oh, this, this was a promise of giving him glass bottles that he could recycle for free. So that's obviously that this kid was homeless. homeless. yeah, And he did something that he could get money, money for. for uh, so while inside Coral's home, Dramala was tied to the torture board, raped, tortured, and strangled with a cord before being buried in the boat shed as well. So we get to the date, August 8th, 1973. So... Henley invited 19-year-old Timothy Curley over to Coral's house for a party as the next intended victim. Uh, The two sniffed paint fumes and drank until midnight when they decided to leave and get sandwiches. Uh, They went back to the Houston Heights um, from Pasadena. So uh, went back to the Heights where they met up with Henley's friend Rhonda Williams, who had been beaten by her father that evening and did not want to go back until he had sobered up. Hinley uh, offered to take her back to Coral's, and she agreed. Uh, so around 3 a.m., Hinley, Curly, and Williams. Uh, so Hinley is the murder guy, Curly was the intended victim, and Williams is the woman. Uh, arrived, or girl, uh, arrived at Coral's, who was furious that Hinley brought a woman back, telling him privately that he, quote unquote, ruined everything. So Coral uh, uh, appeared to calm down. Hinley tried to calm him down. It was like, you know, she needed a place to stay like this is our safe space you know blah 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 like this is where like she needs to be coral, coral appeared to calm down offered them alcohol and marijuana uh watching them intently while coral and uh curly sniffed more paint fumes until they all passed out um henley awoke to his hands and feet being bound and tape being put over his mouth seeing the same fate for his friends curly had also been stripped naked so the boy had also been stripped naked. Upon seeing Henley awake, Coral began telling Henley that he was very angry that he brought a girl into his house and that he was going to kill all three of them. But first he was going to, quote unquote, have his son. He also stated, quote unquote, man, you blew it by bringing that girl. Coral and then coral then kicked williams in the chest multiple times and dragged henley into the kitchen threatening him with a 22 caliber pistol before henley calmed him down uh he Hinley promised to help coral if he released him uh they then carried curly and williams into the bedroom to the torture board tying curly on his stomach so face against the wall uh, and williams on her back um Coral gave Henley a knife and told him to cut away William's clothes and assault her while he began assaulting and torturing Curly. Uh, at this point, both of them had awoken. So after all of that, they had been like passed out asleep. I assume from paint fumes, alcohol, whatever the combination is, uh, <clears throat> be also potentially being five o'clock, four or five in the morning. I don't know how late it was very late in the, the morning. Um, and, uh, at this point, they both awoke, curly, writhing, and shouting, while Williams asked Henley... Did you just say writhing? Writhing.
0: Writhing. Yes. Writhing? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. You <laughs> know English. I don't know English. Um.
1: And Williams asked Henley, is this for real? He said yes, and she asked, are you going to do anything about it? Like, w- this is while they're on a torture board next to each other, and, like... Yeah, I just I'm I'm trying to imagine this, and I shouldn't be imagining this, but it's so it's fucking outlandish. scary. Yeah, like I just can't. Um, Hinley then asked Coral if he could take Williams into another room. Coral ignored him and continued to rape and torture Curly. So I guess this set Hinley off, and Hinley then grabbed Coral's pistol and shouted, "You've gone far enough, Dean." As Coral climbed off of Curly. Did- <laughs> And I, he climbed off of off of Curly. Uh, Henley continued by saying, "I can't go any longer. I have I can't have you kill all of my friends." So after twenty eight fucking people, now all of a sudden like, you I'm gonna take a stand. Suddenly you have friends now.
0: You want to kill a woman, and it's time I took It's the stand. time
1: I it, it apparently matters to me at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so Coral approached Henley, saying, "Kill me, Wayne. You won't do it." before Henley then shot at Coral, hitting him in the forehead. But guess what?
0: He didn't die.
1: The bullet did not fully penetrate Coral's thick skull. So Coral lunged at Henley before he shouted, uh, before he shot another two bullets at him. Uh, Coral then ran out of the room wounded, hitting the wall on the hallway before Henley fired three more bullets at Coral's lower back before he fell down dying where he laid naked. Um, Henley then released the two, uh, so Curley and Williams, off of the torture board, who then got dressed and discussed what they should do next. Uh, Henley said they should just leave, uh, but Curley said that they should call the police. So at 8.24 a.m., Henley called the police and blurted, y'all better come right now. I just killed a man. Uh, And so while the trio waited on the porch, Henley admitted for having shot people like that four or five times. Um, to the other two. Uh, after the police arrived, they put the three in the police car, went inside, discovered the naked dead body of Dean Corll, um, and then they came back and arrested Hindley and read him as Miranda Wrights. Uh, at that point, he shouted, what did he shout? It's kind of funny. Um, it is somewhere right here, contacting the police. He shouted, I don't care who knows about it. I have to get it off my chest.
0: Okay. You got a lot to get off, girl. Exactly. Got Um, a lot to dismount. (laughs) Climb off.
1: Um, So while waiting on the porch, Hinley also—this is what I'm going to end with because this is also kind of cracked me up in a terrible, terrible way. Uh, While sitting and waiting on the porch for the police, Hinley apparently told Curly, "If you weren't my friend, I could have gotten two hundred dollars for you." What? Um, so the reason why I'm ending there is because, first of all, I didn't get to finish my research because my car broke down, and that was not mm, fun. At no,
0: because you're a lazy.
1: And I'm lazy. But second of all, because we were talking about Dean Corll, we were not talking about Brooks and Henley. Uh, I feel like that's a full thing on its own, and I also kind of want to do like a mini episode talking about like the police situation here in Houston as well. Uh, so I think that we could. You had mentioned a couple I'll do pod-
0: a, yeah Manson trial. Manson
1: trials. trial. So I figure that we can talk about the trials. We can talk about the trials of both of these and have like a little mini episode. Or a full episode. I don't know if I can know. It um, could, <laughs>
0: uh, with yeah. Mine it could possibly be a full episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I figured that we can probably combine that all together. So that was Dean Correll, and that was a lot of that. Uh, but now that you, at least you've got the background, we can then go into more about like what happened next and like the, the aftermath of twenty-eight what it people did to exactly twenty-eight people dying in the Houston Heights, essentially. Yeah. So,
0: so yeah. So that's Dean Correll. How do you feel about that? Oh, girl, some. Deep, gross, disgusting, horrific things. Yeah,
1: and, like, seeing some of the addresses and, the, like, looking them up on, like, the map of, like, where these things, different like, happen right around where I work, right around where I used to live. Like, yeah. that scares the fuck out of me. Yeah. <laughs> because this is all stuff that, like, has happened right here in our hometown that could happen to anyone at any time. And, like, it just is baffling to me. Like, I was reading this stuff, and, like, I – I mean, I mentioned to you earlier that I went into customer's house, and, like, one of the bathrooms was dark while I was measuring the room. And I kept on hearing voices behind me, and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I mean, it it really gets to it gets to you. And, I mean, Especially just, with
0: the job that you do. Yeah. Going into strangers' houses every All the time.
1: Day. Every single day. By myself.
0: By yourself. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the only – people know where you are, I guess.
1: Yeah. I guess so. Because, like, I mean, the appointment is listed in there. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there's that, like, little bit of extra. But, yeah, it's it's terrifying, right? Yeah.
0: Um. <clears throat> wow.
1: That was good. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about something a little lighthearted. Okay.
1: <laughs> Since <laughs> that was a very hard way to start
0: off. <laughs> yeah. The first part of mine is lighthearted, but the last part of it is very dark. Oh, okay. I'm excited for spoopy. Um, Does anyone
1: else feel spoopy right now? I
0: feel so <laughs> spoopy right now. I also feel like I need another Mike's Hard Lemon. Me too. Pause.